This morning's scripture is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and it's found on page 948 in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. This is a familiar reading uh, about the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. May God bless this reading to our understanding. And I invite our readers forward to share in the different languages. És megjelentek előttük kettős tüzes nyelvek, és üle mindenikre azok közül. Aussitôt, ils furent tous remplis du Saint-Esprit et commencèrent à parler dans différentes langues, chacun s'exprimant comme le Saint-Esprit lui donnait de le faire. Y hecho este estruendo juntas en la multitud, y estaban confusos, porque cada uno les oía hablar su propia lengua. Ismliáes diviáes anis prashavali, rasvevesie etiludi ne galiliáne, kakshe ete kajdi is naslishit, y gavariashtimi na nashem rodnum yizikye. Parti et medi et elamite et qui habitant Mesopotamiam et Judeam et Capitotiam Pontum et Asiam. Aus Phrygian und Pamphylian, aus Ägypten und aus der Gegend von Cyrene in Libyen. Sogar aus Rom sind Besucher hier, sowohl solche, 
die von Geburt Juden sind, als auch Nichtjuden, die den jüdischen Glauben angenommen haben. Auch Kreta und Araber befinden sich unter uns, und wir alle hören sie in unseren eigenen Sprachen von den wunderbaren Dingen reden, die Gott getan hat. Tutti si stupivano et arano perplexi, dicendo le un l'altro. Che cosa significa questo? Ma altri li derivano e disivano. Sono piene di vino dolce. Here is the reading. God bless our understanding. I don't know if you've heard of the term charismatic church, like the Pentecostal church, but in those churches, it's not uncommon for someone to begin speaking in tongues. When this happens, the words coming out of the person's mouth are impossible to understand. Somebody, an interpreter of tongues, translates it for the rest of the congregation. I don't want to disparage this practice at all, but I do want to be emphatic that what happened on the day of Pentecost was not like that. Yes, there were some people who did not understand, but what happened on that day was not a personal experience. It was a communal one. The Pentecost united Jews and Romans, Parthians and Galileans, Arabs and Elamites. It didn't put up barriers to understanding. It tore those barriers down. The last few weeks we've been reading from Acts and Galatians. And in these passages, Paul found himself in conflict. There were those in the early church that were preaching that new converts needed to adopt Jewish ways and Jewish laws in order to enter into the Christian community. Paul's ministry was to these non-Jewish converts, and his travels took him to many different places, and he met many different people from different cultures and races, and he knew that imposing the old ways of Judaism on newcomers would create obstacles to the church, reaching these diverse people, and it would set up barriers between the Hebrews and everyone else. A lot of this conflict in the scriptures focuses on circumcision. But whether male converts needed to be circumcised was really just a symbol of a much larger issue. And for Paul, that issue was this. Is the new church going to be led by laws and customs? Or is it going to be led by faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit? In last week's reading of Galatians chapter 3, he wrote to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing in Christ? Are you really so foolish, having started with the Spirit, as to end with the flesh? In other words, having experienced that dynamic, unifying, wild power of the Holy Spirit, are you now going to put your faith in human laws and customs. This was a lot more than an abstract theological debate. As noted in today's passage, there were diverse, diverse people gathered in Jerusalem listening, listening to the apostles, people from all around the no, known world, people of many different languages. 
these people were interested in the message of Christ. And they were open to conversion to the way of Christ. So this issue is about whether the church would embrace these seekers or keep them at arm's length. A legal approach would be to give these outsiders a list of rules to follow and ask them to conform to the old ways. But a spirit-led approach would welcome these diverse people and see where the Spirit would lead them together. This would not diminish the value of the past, but rather allow the past to come into conversation with the present and to become a living tradition that adapts to each new age. But being Spirit-led is not easy. Look at churches these days. Every church I've ever visited in my entire life has wanted to grow. Whether they're growing by a lot or whether they haven't grown in years, they want to grow. They want new members, and they especially love young families and little ones running around. Every church wants that. But not every church wants the change that those people bring. Not every church is willing to let go of their way of doing things to make room for new people. Many congregations would rather follow a legal model give visitors a list of rules to follow, and pray to God that they come back. It's not exactly a winning strategy, or a faithful one at that. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I definitely wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't think that churches, as they are today, have a lot to offer the world. But what we have to offer is not rituals or doctrines. Often these rituals and doctrines do serve a higher purpose. I love communion. It's a sacrament that we celebrate so that we can taste and see that God is good and that there is unity and power at Christ's table. But the day, the day that communion becomes an empty gesture or a chore is the day that we should stop serving it. Even our sacraments, are merely vessels for God's Holy Spirit. And ultimately, we don't come to worship for the sermons or the hymns or the little pieces of bread. We do it because we want God's power and God's Spirit in our lives. Some of us have never experienced that power, but we long for it. Others, too many of us, are like the Galatians, We have felt God's awesome power at some point in our lives. We have experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, but we are still in danger of getting stuck in our ways. Then there are the blessed few of us who are always ready for what the Spirit brings next. I know that if we are a faithful church, we will be reaching out to a lot of people who are different from us in the years ahead. Our list of reading languages on Pentecost will continue to grow and grow, and if we are being led by the Holy Spirit, those people are going to change us. They're going to change this church and how we worship and how we express ourselves, and that is okay 
This is not degenerating or losing our way. Just the opposite, it is embracing the Holy Spirit and being true to that Pentecost moment in the church where diverse people are united by one divine, holy language. This morning, a group of us put out the rainbow doors in front of the sanctuary, which proclaim that God's doors are open to all, even those in the gay, lesbian, and transgender community. This is to celebrate our one-year anniversary as an open and affirming church. We didn't make the decision to become an open and affirming church in a vacuum. We did it because of the example and the testimony of LGBTQ Christians, and because the Holy Spirit had called on us to take a stance on love and inclusion in an atmosphere that can sometimes be filled with hate and discrimination. There will be many people who walk by the church or drive by it in their cars who will be uplifted by this message of hope and inclusion in them. And thank you, Kathy, for sharing uh, that feedback that we've gotten. We've gotten great feedback last year when we put the doors out. But let's be truthful. Like on the day of Pentecost, there will be some who walk by or drive by and say, man, that church is definitely drinking some new wine. On Pentecost, Peter denied that the disciples had been drinking new wine, insisting that it was far too early in the morning for the disciples to be drunk. Come back later, maybe. But it's only nine. Yet spiritually... I have no problem saying yes. Yes, Plymouth Church has been drinking new wine. It is the new wine of the communion table. It is the new wine of the Holy Spirit. We are not chained to the dogmas or the doctrines of the past. We respect its wisdom. And we love, at least I hope we love, the tradition that we have inherited But ultimately, we are not led by traditions and customs and laws and creeds. We are led by faith in Jesus Christ. And we are led by the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that descended on the apostles so many years ago. Transforming them. Transforming us. Thanks be to God. And amen.